Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the Central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Good morning, Central New York. This is Fizz Radio. My name is David Edelstein, and today I am joined by the amazing Thomas Schultz. How you guys uh, doing out there? <laughs> I think this is the first time that we've actually done Fizz Radio together. It is. This is the first one. I always like the different matches, you know, trying. It's almost like a fantasy team where you try and try different people in different positions together. Yeah, you're trying, to, is, trying to find the perfect combination. The, the fantasy Fizz Radio. And we've got you from 9 in the morning until 10 in the mornings right here on the score 1260 every Saturday. So make sure you keep tuning in. And this is just the first 38 seconds right now. Got to be exact. No, sports stats. <laughs> Got to let them know. <laughs> exactly 45 seconds of what's going to be a great show. We've got Syracuse basketball news. We also have some basketball offseason talk, some predictions, some things to, to, to mention now that we're in this kind of. I don't know, limbo? Yeah, yeah. I, guess. I mean, season's over. You're trying to hear back from the NBA for O'Shea Brissett, waiting for recruits to get here for next season. I mean, it's an, it's an interesting time for Syracuse basketball. And then, hey, don't forget about Syracuse football. It feels like forever since we've mentioned Syracuse football, but a lot of action going on there, especially as it picks up now, because in the Orange Fizz world, that's the next sport on the table. So basketball, football, and we're going to get to some Fizz feedback, of course, hearing from you guys at the end of the show. So stay tuned for all of that. Also, just a shameless plug right off the bat here. Make sure to follow Orange Fizz at Orange Fizz on Twitter and Facebook. Go on Spotify and follow Orange Fizz. All of the radio shows and podcasts are there. SoundCloud as well. iTunes. Spotify. We're, we're just taking over uh, the internet yeah. and the airwaves and everything. We're on the come up. <laughs> Everywhere. So, yeah, Thomas, this... this limbo off-season thing this is the first show since there's there's no game this past week there's no game coming up it's just kind of like this middle ground but there's still a lot going on well there is i mean o'shea reset on thursday declared for the nba draft without signing an agent so that means he can still come back to school basically this this can be used as a time for him to see okay am i good enough to get drafted where i want to get drafted or for him to go talk to scouts and see what he needs to improve upon for next season. So, right now, I don't think it's time to start freaking out about O'Shea leaving. Obviously, Tyus Battle did the same thing last year. So, it, it is interesting to see what he does because this is, you never know what's going to happen. But still, I, a lot going on. Tyus Battle obviously leaving. You got to replace Frank Howard and Pascal Chuku. So, a lot of activity for Syracuse basketball. So, why don't we start with O'Shea? Because that's obviously the most recent news as of the time of this recording. And so, O'Shea Bursette has declared for the NBA draft without an agent. And this is almost a deja vu moment for what we saw last year with, with Tyus Battle at first. So O'Shea is, is leaving. Is this the most appropriate time for him to have waved the white flag? Well, because, I mean, we still don't know if he's going to leave. Obviously, he has the possibility, the potential to leave, but it's not a sure thing right now. O'Shea Brissett can still come back. He hasn't signed an agent. And I think he will. I think he had a down year. Obviously, before this season, he was projected to be a top 10 draft pick. Going into at the end of his sophomore year, a lot of mock drafts are saying, this guy's a top 10 draft pick. He's got the athleticism. If he improves his jumper a little bit, that's all he needs to do. And then he's going straight to the draft. Well, he didn't improve this year. If anything, he regressed. Last year, he averaged 15 points. This year, 12 and a half. 
So he had a rough year. Obviously, Tyus Battle had to pick up a lot of the slack, but I think he comes back at the end is what is the, what I think will probably happen. Now, as we know, for every decision made, whether it be for getting into the NCAA tournament, whether it be for who plays in a team, in a game, and things like that, we know that there are other factors besides just the numbers themselves. And one of the things that changed this year for Syracuse basketball was the fact that their bench expanded. You added Buddy Beheim. You added Elijah Hughes, who was now able to get on the court for the first time. You added Jalen Carey, even though he played limited time. And so all of a sudden, you have this extended team, which was a benefit. It was being spoken about as a benefit for the team, and of course it was. But as far as O'Shea's Brissett's numbers go specifically, could that have been a reason why his stats when you just look at the numbers, took took a toll on those, that they took a downturn this year just because there were so many other guys contributing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you have a guy like Elijah Hughes that you just add to the squad, that's a dynamic st- score that's, I think, kind of on the same level, if not maybe a little bit below Tyus Battle. I mean, he's a dynamic scorer who can find his shot at any time, and he showed he did that. And O'Shea Brissett kind of had to take a little bit of a backseat. Going into the year, people thought O'Shea Brissett's our number two behind Tyus Battle like he was last year. But... Elijah Hughes kind of took over that role, and that role really alternated throughout the season. Sometimes near the end, it was Buddy Beheim who had to step up. Sometimes, occasionally, it was Frank Howard, sometimes O'Shea, sometimes Elijah Hughes, but it really just alternated. So it's an interesting decision uh, that Elijah Hughes decided, I'm going to go see what I'm worth right now. And, you know, he can come back, obviously, but still, after the year that he had, I thought it was interesting that he he decided this is this is the time to do this not wait till junior year but right now and you're talking about O'Shea Brissett of course right not, not Elijah Hughes not Elijah Hughes. I think Elijah Hughes is staying you know he's he's not going anywhere he, he got this a chance year. to see what was going on on the court but when you when when I looked at O'Shea Brissett this year and when I watched him play it did seem to me like he still developed as a player maybe not in the statistical categories but I still think that when you look at how he played, that he just played a more physical game. He was more assertive this year, even though it still needed improvement throughout the season. I think he did gain that assertiveness. He was more physical. He got to the rim and kind of find his found his little niche in contributing to the team. So maybe when you're looking at the numbers, some things, you know, okay, he had 15.1 this, 12.2 this this year. Okay, so there's a three-point whatever difference, just for the, you know, the loose math. But it looked like his situational play really developed yeah I think so and I mean the thing is his stats went down a little bit but he was also playing less minutes this year last year he was averaging 38 minutes a game I mean he was only sitting out two minutes this year averaging 33 so I mean that's kind of going back to what you said about how there were this increased depth uh took a little pressure off of O'Shaper set let him you know kind of find his groove and he shot better from the field last year he shot 35 percent this year he shot 39 so his stats went down across the board, but a lot of that has to do with he just wasn't the focal point of the offense this year like he was last year, and he just didn't have the same amount of playing time, which is not a bad thing. I mean, 38 minutes is too much for any player. You're sitting out two minutes a game, that's just not enough, but 33 is much more manageable. So how can O'Shea Brissett that returns to Syracuse, as you said that you think he will, take that spotlight in this new team when not all five starters are returning like happened this previous year? So... O'Shea Brissett, the the thing that he's been working on or that his his problem that he's had to kind of develop is his, his shooting. He's just not a good enough three-point shooter for teams to draft him in the top 10, top 15 like they thought they would at the end of the season last year. And last year they thought, you know, this guy, if he improves his three-point shot, he's a, he's a lottery pick. Well, he didn't do that. What he has to do, and I think his best style of play, 
is to attack the middle of, of the paint, get to the rim, and just play close to the basket. Because if you develop your touch inside first, it's a lot easier to get some easy layups, get some easy putbacks, and then move back throughout the game. But O'Shea Brissett, when he starts shooting jumpers, that's when he has bad games. It's when he attacks the paint. That's his best game. And I think if he played a lot of power forward in this Syracuse offense, that could really benefit him next year. So people should stop looking at him to develop that three-point shot because we've already seen it's not necessarily going to happen. But if he can continue to develop his short-range play, then he'll increase his value there in that specific category and be a valuable item in a future draft. Exactly. I mean, when Pascal Chukwu had to sit a lot this season, when he did sit, Jim Beheim oftentimes would put Merrick Dolajai at the center position and put O'Shea Brissett at power forward. What that does is you have the length of Dolajai at center, but obviously he's skinny. He's 180 pounds. But with O'Shea Brissett, you bring that extra muscle, that extra beef inside that you really need, which is a great defensive presence. Those two guys combined. And the thing is, O'Shea Brissett, he's not a bad three-point shooter, but he's not great for a small forward. For a power forward at 6'8", you can be a power forward in today's NBA. And as a 33-35% three-point shooter, that's good enough for a power forward. So he could potentially change his position and what he's looking at and looking at himself as a small forward and say, okay, well, I can play power forward too because that's where he's been most successful at Syracuse so far. So when... I look back to last year, similar situation. Tyus Battle was the one who was saying adios for now, mm-hmm. and then he came back. Now Battle has declared again. Not a surprise. Where exactly does his stock lay now, though, compared to last year? In other words, would his draft, would his draft stock have been better last year than it is now? Or is did he improve the way that coming back for another year is supposed to allow you to? Well, this is what's got to be so frustrating for Tyus right now because last year he was projected to be, at the beginning of the second round, not a first-round pick. So he decided he'll come back to school. Because a lot of the reason is if you're picked in the first round of the NBA draft, you get a guaranteed contract. If you're picked in the second round, you don't. So it's a much riskier business. So a lot of guys, they decide, I'll you know try to come back and prove my stock five spots to jump into the first round. Well, what happened with Tyus Battle is he completely slipped out of mock draft so far. Right now, he's not projected to go in the draft at all. And this is a guy that really what he had to do is improve his three-point shooting. And he had a lot on his plate this year. I mean, he was obviously the star of Syracuse, and he basically had to lead him every game of the season. But for him to drop out of the draft, it's just... It's tough because this is a guy who already has his degree. He finished it in three years. I mean, he was taking 12 credits during the summer every year to get this degree as soon as he could. And his field goal percentage did go up this year. Last year, he shot 40% from the field. This year, 43. But it just wasn't enough. At least right now, things can change with the NBA combine and things like that. But right now, it just wasn't enough for guys to say, oh, you know what? He will put him back in the draft. And it's, it's, he's not even close to the first round right now. Orange Fizz Radio, at Orange Fizz on Twitter. Gotta say, though, I am guilty. I admit it. I am guilty of saying that Tyus Battle would be even more of a leader in the 2018-2019 season than he was the year before because of the fact that he had such an approved team around him. He had proven himself already. He's coming back and Tyus Battle to the NBA campaign. And now he's at Syracuse once again. Really, there was a lot of hype around that. And I thought, and I said, 
he was going to stand out from this team and look even better heading into the NBA draft, what is now the current moment, because of the fact that everyone around him was better and he would shine once again. But when I go back to thinking about how this team has improved and the bench has expanded, it almost seems to me that the opposite happened. It almost diluted him. You know, there, there was a great moment in Syracuse basketball play this year where Syracuse had 22 assists and Tyus Battle had most of them. And it was like, wow, Syracuse is passing the ball, something they hadn't done in recent years. And they're, they're getting assists. They're moving. They're, they're getting, generating offense. It almost seems, though, that because of this expanded bench where more people can do more things, that Tyus Battle didn't become the leader of great players, but became the leader or, or rather became a little bit more diluted because of the players around him getting even better. Yeah, this team just never gelled like we thought it would. Going into the year, you bring back all five starters, you add Elijah Hughes, who's a dynamic scorer, you add a top 35 recruit in Jalen Carey, and you add Buddy Bayheim, who's a lights-out three-point shooter. For a team that went to the Sweet 16 a year ago, you thought an Elite Eight at least was possible. And to get knocked out in the first round by a Baylor team, I mean, it just showed this team never found its groove together. Obviously, a lot of guys regressed. Tyus shot 31% from three. Last year, he shot 33.5% for his career. So his three-point shooting went down. That was what he needed to improve upon. But Frank Howard was just not the same player this year for whatever reason. If he never recovered from his injury at the beginning of the year, obviously, his career ended on a sour note as he was suspended from the team. O'Shea Brissett had a down year. The guys are still there, or the talent was still there, but they just didn't play with the same chemistry as last year. But is that because of the fact that because there are more good players, everyone's going to look like they're almost, quote-unquote, a little bit worse because it's just more spread out? It's not just two guys who are dominating the whole thing? Well, I I think you can make that argument, but... My argument to that would be they they just didn't perform the same. The the wins and losses column just wasn't the same as it was last year. And, you know, this was a team that squeaked into March Madness last year. They might have been a little bit better in the regular season this year, but they found their groove towards the end of last season when they made a Sweet 16 run. They won three games in March Madness. This year, they couldn't win one. So something was off. And obviously, Frank Howard being suspended made a big impact, I think, because what's highest battle out of the ACC tournament Howard was playing his best games of the season. He played great against Pittsburgh, and he played great against Duke. He was the reason that Syracuse was in the game against Duke. And then I think maybe, maybe he found his groove, refound who he was as a player, and then they lost that. Because when you lose your starting point guard at the top of the 2-3 zone going into your first-round matchup, you're not going to do well. Your defense is going to struggle, and guys like... Baylor's Makai Mason showed that. I mean, they lit Syracuse up from deep, and Syracuse just didn't have an answer for that. So a lot of people might say, okay, let's just forget about what happened and move on. Of course, we we sports people don't want to necessarily uh, forget what happened. We like talking (laughs) about the past and analyzing and everything. But there are some people who say, all right, let's start looking to the future. And that's what we're going to do right after a short break. It's Orange Fizz Radio. It's the offseason. The offseason starts now. Right here on Orange Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Back here on the score 1260, it's Fizz Radio. We have you from 9 till 10 in the morning today and every Saturday. I'm David Edelstein, joined by Thomas Schultz, and we are talking about Syracuse basketball. 
And there's one last thing to do before we completely turn the switch towards looking forward. We got to look in the rearview mirror just for a second longer here because it's finally time where we can actually review the entire season. You know, I say hindsight's 2020. I'm excited for next year when it's actually 2020 at every current moment of the season. That will be fun. But right now we're looking back at 2018, 2019, and let's rate them. Let, let's see. I'm curious how you would rate the team's performance throughout the season because it started out looking shaky. There were great moments. There were terrible moments. And then now here we are. We have the whole thing in perspective. Obviously, are you, are you up for the challenge? I, I'm up for it. I mean, obviously, you got that big win over Duke, but you got those tough losses against Georgia Tech and Old Dominion. And I want to start at first with probably the point guard position. Good place to start. Professor Schultz over here. <laughs> Bring us through. Exactly. Start with the number one. Point guard. How how would you rate the quality of the of the point guard position for Syracuse <sighs> basketball this past year? Man, I got to give it like a, a D, honestly. Oh, I mean, wow. That was yeah. a lot lower than I expected. Yeah. I, well, because from the play, the drop off in play from last year to this past season, Frank Howard just wasn't the same player. I, I, I We mentioned earlier, I, I don't know if it was his leg injury before the season. I don't know if he that just never got a lot of credit for yeah. what was happening, or at least was used as the primary quote-unquote excuse if there was something else. Exactly. I don't know if it was, I don't know, because he just didn't have the same uh, depth before. I mean, because you, you add Elijah Hughes, he doesn't have the same, I don't know, ability to make plays because there's so much more depth around him but he just wasn't the same player and Jalen Carey played well at the beginning of the season he played very well he had a great game against UConn dropped 26 points he looked like he might be the dynamic guy of the future we were talking about him as the dynamic guy of the future I I can man I'm just like pointing out all the things I said in the past and that now look differently but I I, I could go back and find the soundbite of me saying like Jalen Carey is the prototype point guard for Syracuse, and, and now that didn't happen, really. It, it didn't, and I still, I still have faith in Jalen Carey. I, call me an optimist, but I'm not willing to write him off just yet. That's still early. Yeah, but, but as the season yeah. didn't show up. As the year went on, he really declined. And when Tyus Battle had to step up and play point guard, he did a fine job. He did pretty well. He had some of his better games at point guard, but the thing is, Tyus Battle is not a point guard. He's a 6'6 shooting guard, and he likes to shoot. So he he filled in as best as he could, but that's just not his position. The point guard position just did not play up to par. Now moving on to shooting guard, Tyus Battle. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna be more generous. You could make a case and say, you know what, he didn't play as well as he as we expected, but I'm gonna give him a B plus. That's a lot better than a D though. It's a lot better than a D. And uh, maybe, why why is it so much better than point guard though? Because Tyus Battle had all the pressure on him. He was the guy every single game, and he had to be, and most of the time he showed up. And you know what? It's hard being the guy every game. But maybe it's because I feel like he had his effort levels were higher than Frank Howard's at times this season. I don't know. But it, it, he just had so much more on him, and he played a lot better. And I know he didn't put up the gouty numbers that we were expecting at the beginning of the season, he didn't have the improvement that we might have thought, but that's kind of how this goes sometimes. Sometimes guys don't improve how you expect them to, and especially when you add playmakers like Elijah Hughes, Buddy Bayheim. I think Tyus Battle did a very good job of pivoting and altering his game to fit the guys around him. Now, does he get any extra credit, I can say, Professor Schultz, for the fact that he you know, started getting all those assists at some point in the season, found ways to... 
you know, uh, Buddy Beheim said it himself in the best because he was part of this. Battle would drive in to the paint, kick out to Buddy, and then all of a sudden there's a three. So he was creating points in a different way. Does he get any extra credit for that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, I don't care if you're scoring or assisting. As long as you're putting points on the scoreboard, that's that's going to go. That's that's going to be a golden star for you. And another guy, speaking of another shooting guard who played out of his played very well this season, Buddy Beheim. He exceeded, I think, anybody's expectations. We all knew he could shoot. Obviously, at the beginning of the year, he had to gain that confidence, as any freshman would. But by the end of the season, he was a guy that Syracuse relied on game in and game out. And the fans seemed to rally behind him as well, that they picked up on it, which probably made him feel a lot more comfortable. Exactly. And I think the fans, honestly, they might have played a huge part in the growth of his confidence. And they needed Buddy Beheim a lot this season for a lot of stretches. And he showed up. Especially in the ACC tournament down the stretch when he got his start, then all of a sudden tied and then broke his career high in points. Yeah, dropped 20 points. ACC tournament. I mean, that's, I mean, that's when you're supposed to be doing your best basketball yeah. play. And for anyone, that worked out well. So the points that you took away, the reason that you're saying shooting guards, B+, plus, not, not an A-, not an A, not an A+, plus, because Tyus Battle just didn't live up to in the entirety of the expectations that you thought he would? Yeah, you know, if you're going to get an A, we got to see a lot of growth. And look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest here. There's a lot of reasons there wasn't a lot of growth this season. And like you mentioned earlier, a lot of it has to do with there's just too many mouths to feed. But I think Tyus Battle did a very good job of finding his shot, getting his when he needed to, and kind of being more aggressive than at times we had seen in his sophomore season. But he still was the leader. He was the guy, and when we needed a shot, he was the guy to go to, but he did a very good job of getting his teammates involved. All right, so how about small forward? Small forward, we're going to break this up. I guess Elijah Hughes, O'Shea Brissett. Elijah Hughes, I'm going to give, let's, I'll, I'll give him a B plus. I thought Elijah Hughes, he, there was times where he disappeared this season, for sure. But again, when there's so many shooters, so many scores in this lineup, guys are going to have nights where they don't play very well. O'Shea Brissett, I'm going to give probably a B-2. How do you get an A in this class, man? It's tough. I, it's I, tough. I, I drop. That's it. I mean, <laughs> I, I, honestly, I don't know if anyone's getting an A in this one. I, the only guy who could have would have been Tyus Battle, and he's close, but I don't know. I mean, because... Elijah Hughes played well, and I think he showed that he could be the scorer of the future after Tyus. O'Shea Brissett, we went over him earlier, and there's reasons his numbers went down. He didn't play as much. But he didn't perform and didn't exceed expectations, and he just didn't ascend to the player that we thought he could be at the beginning of the season. So what do you give the small forward position overall when you look at it? You give Hughes the specifically B+. I'm giving O'Shea Brissett a B-. minus. I'll... I'll I'll comp- I'll give him a B. A B? Yeah. We're going to just go compromise. right in the Compr- right Yeah, in the compromise. That's, that's good. T- team player. Yeah. Right yeah. All right. Moving on to number four, the power forward spot. So we got Merrick Dolajai there, and we got a little bit of O'Shea Brissett as well. And I think O'Shea Brissett played his best basketball at power forward. And I think Merrick Dolajai, I cannot give him lower than a B+. Plus. Mainly because of that charge he took against Zion Williamson. Some people were saying that he actually became a skilled player at getting those charges. Like, oh, he, he had what? I think of at least three. Right? Was it more than that? that I mean, I, probably in that game. That I think, he yeah. just ones where might have happened more, but ones where he specifically set up that. Hey, I'm here. Oh, oh no! Look at that key situation, and I got charged. How'd that happen? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, he he's just his basketball IQ is is fantastic. And if you're gonna step in front of a full charging 285 pound, gonna be number one pick Zion Williamson, I I can't give you a B or lower. That's a B plus right there. <laughs> I, I don't care what else you do. And to be fair, he had a great season. He didn't have the scoring that we might have hoped for. But again, there's a lot of mouse to feed. He's not going to be in the top four scoring options on this team. Now, he never was either. See, one of the things that Jim Beheim had talked about often was that the quote was, Dolzhai doesn't need to score because he actually racks up his points in a way, his point value on defense just by defending so much. Is there is there a disparity for you? In, or, or rather, what is the disparity between his offensive play and his defensive play that keeps him at a B plus level. I feel like there's, you know, you could almost put him in two you know different what? grades that average out. I'm going to, when I'm thinking about it, I'm going to push him up to an A minus. In, in, in offense, defense, or overall? Just overall. Because the thing is, Osh- or, excuse me, Merrick Dolezal is not a guy who you're saying, all right, go give us 15 points. He's your glue guy. He's your guy who is your hustle player. He's going to be scrappy. He's going to die for loose balls. He's going to play great defense and utilize his strength. He's going to step in front of anybody, as he showed, and take a charge. And he did that. And O'Shea Brissett also played very—I think he played his best minutes because he was able to—when he when he was at power forward, he was able to get buckets near the rim. And that's when O'Shea Brissett's at his best. And he played good defense at power forward as well. So what do you give the power forward position overall? I'll give O'Shea Brissett a B plus. So overall, we'll, we'll bump it up to an A-. minus. An A- minus for yeah. power forward? Oh, yeah. they did. My, you, I guess you just broke your own I, I uh, guess prediction I did. that it was going to happen. My days of being a Grinch <laughs> are over. <laughs> I'm good at uh, persuasion. Maybe I'd, I'd, yeah. I wouldn't withdraw so quickly. All right, last one. Center. Pascal Chukwu, obviously the big name. The thing about Pascal is there's a lot of frustrating th- plays that Pascal made this season, and but mainly in past seasons. This year, Pascal Chukwu upped his game. And a lot of fans may not have realized that, but he played much better. He was much scrappier in any game that Pascal Chukwu loses his goggles, which happened to be quite a few this season. He's given 110%. He's, he's as scrappy as Merrick Dolezal. And when you're 7'2", and you're diving on that hardwood for loose balls, I don't think I could do that. So for Pascal Chukwu to do that, I'll give him, I'll give him a solid B because there are times where you, you expect him to be a bigger presence at 7-2, but all throughout the season, he altered shots. Against Pittsburgh in the ACC tournament, six blocks. Against Duke, when they beat them down in Cameron Indoor, he had a double-double. And that's, Pascal Chukwu is the reason they won that game. I personally think that Chukwu needs to be credited for his free throws because I, I just think that they are so valuable because how many times do you see teams lose a game within the margin of free throws they missed? Yeah. A little bit too often, too especially often. in Syracuse's case, if you're a Syracuse fan. So the fact that Chukwu has improved his free throw shooting and, you know, stayed in the gym and made like 300 in a row before he would leave kind of thing. It's incredible. That it, it has shown, and I think it didn't help the team. Obviously, his free throws alone wouldn't be enough every time. But I think that having that backing, there's a huge difference between a three-point game, a five-point game, and a seven-point game. Yeah. And I, and I remember two years ago when people at the beginning of the season was like, when is this dude going to knock down a free throw? He's improved steadily throughout the year, and he became a guy who you didn't hate seeing at the line. You saw Pascal go to the line, you're like, all right, he can take take two of these. Let him do it. All right, so you gave point guard a D, shooting guard B plus, small forward a B, power forward an A minus, and center a B. What is the Syracuse Orange basketball overall 2018-2019 grade? 
Is it just an average? I don't. I, I guess a B. I don't know. Overall, I mean, would, would that have been? How much would that have been affected by the team making it past the first round of the NCAA tournament? You make it past the first round, you beat Baylor. The thing is, you've got Gonzaga next. It's tough to beat them. I give them a B plus if they make it past Baylor. Anytime you run into a one seed the second round, you can't get too mad if they lose that game. So Syracuse returned all five starters this year, and then kind of had very interesting season ups and downs. Uh, but it ends as a dud where you kind of have a player out during the ACC tournament, and then you're out against Duke, and then you lose in the first round of the NCAA. Now Syracuse will definitely have new fresh faces just due to the pure fact that players have graduated from college. So time for the way-too-early look at the 2019-2020 Syracuse team. Where what, what does this team look like in a few months from now when it's, you know, we just had MLB opening day. Uh-huh. So as a baseball fan, I'll say the basketball opening day. I'm really, I'm really excited about this team, actually, because you're you're replacing some of those high volume scores, like Frank Howard, Tyus Battle, and you're bringing in shooters, Joe Girard, obviously, and let's not hype him up too much because he's going to be a freshman. I know he's dropping fifty per game in high school, but give don't put too much pressure on a freshman. But he's a great shooter, Bryson Goodine. He's the best human in his class. He's a guy that gets overlooked because he's been committed for so long. But Bryson Goodine is a fantastic athlete. He was the Rhode Island player of the year last year. And he's a great shooter as well. He's not as good as Gerard necessarily. He's going to pull up from 30 feet and nail a three like he did in high school over and over again. But Bryson Goodine, dude can play. Dude can ball. He's going to get minutes. Jalen Carey, I'm excited to see his growth. It's kind of next season is, I think, a make or break season for Carey. Either he shows that player he was at the beginning of the year, or he's that player he was for a lot of the season where he just turned the ball over as soon as he got in the game. And then Quincy Guerrier is another guy, 6'7", small forward, out of Canada. A lot of guys, there's not much known about him, but from what we've seen, what we've heard, he's got a lot of potential. And you've got John Volajak rounding out the recruiting class. He's a center, a lot lot of athleticism, a lot of potential. He's 6'10", but he's only been playing the game basketball for about three or four years. So he's raw, but he can shoot a three. He's got a good stroke. He's very smooth with the basketball, very athletic. He's an exciting guy for the future. So Elijah Hughes gets a year older and gets to take on even more of a leadership role on this team in his second year playing. Betty Beheim will get older, and other players will start to take on these leadership roles now that the players who were starters this year were basically starters, not only because they were good, but because they had just all come back from the year before. So now with vacant spots open, a lot of these players getting to see that progression will be something that is very interesting to follow, which we'll continue to do right here on Orange Fizz. So continue to follow at orangefizz.net online for all of your sports content and your Syracuse basketball content. But we also have another sport we write about, which is football. And they're up next. Spotlight on the Syracuse Orange football team, Dino Babers and his squad, right after the break here on The Score 1260. Back on the score 1260, it's Fizz Radio. We have you from 9 in the morning till 10 in the morning every Saturday for your Syracuse football and your Syracuse basketball news. I'm David Edelstein, joined by Thomas Schultz. We both encourage you to check out orangefizz.net and theorangefizz.com. We've got two links now to check out all of your recruiting news, your game news. Well, there won't be a game for a while, but hey, all of the news you could want about the Syracuse Orange 
basketball and football teams. One of the things that's interesting about this time of year is that basketball is kind of still going on, but although Syracuse basketball has concluded for its season, Syracuse football now becomes the spotlight. It's, it's, it's the next team up. Yeah, and if football recruiting especially is a season that never ends. And Syracuse just added two big-time recruits, two big-time linemen to their recruiting class. So a lot of good news coming for Syracuse football, especially after last season. So before we get to those specific players' names, let me ask you this. How does the Orange continue its success from last season and build upon that going forward? Well, the best football programs, college football programs, they start as Dino Baber started. They build a team up, and then... What you start to do is you start to stockpile talent. Your first couple of years, like Dino Baber's in, you're filling stop gaps. You find you got a weakness here, you got to play a guy real quick. A lot of freshmen, a lot of sophomores getting playing. But now, Syracuse has turned a corner where they're able to kind of build this depth, have these guys waiting for their opportunity, and that's what he's sort of doing. And what he's really focusing on is the, is the line. And I think he's realizing, look, if you want to win, if you want to play with the big boys, you got to have a fantastic offensive and defensive line, and that's what he started to do. He did that last class. He's doing it with this class, bringing in Kevin Lemieux, who's a 2020 recruit, and grad transfer Ryan Alexander from South Alabama, who started 24 games as right tackle. Now, coming off a year with so much hype around it, with the bowl game and the 10 wins, and a a year that was marketed so much around Eric Dungy, what does it take for the Syracuse fans to now fully embrace Tommy DeVito and this new Syracuse image? Well, even when Tommy DeVito was a freshman, there was a lot of fl- a lot of fans clamoring for him to start because they realized, hey, this guy's got a humongous arm. And I think they've already started to rally around him. And look, Eric Dungy's a really tough guy to replace, mostly because of his mentality and his grittiness. But Tommy DeVito's got a cannon of an arm. And... Nobody's nobody's gonna not want a quarterback who can just chuck it 60 yards down the field, especially for a Dino Babers offense that loves to just throw it, throw the pigskin 40 yards to a Sean Riley, to a Jamal Custis last year, and throw that deep bomb. And so with the new commits that you've mentioned that are going to be joining the team, the grad transfer, a new commit, lineman, mm-hmm. how quickly will we see improvement as an effect of the success that the Orange had last year that now has led to even better recruiting. I think Dino Babers is building on to what he's already started because when you start winning games, you can start getting these bigger-time recruits. Last season, Syracuse was in the running for Adiza Isaac, a huge four-star defensive end. They didn't get him, but that's a big improvement from where they've been the past 10 years where they weren't even in the running for a guy from New York that was a top-50 recruit in the nation. So for them to be in the conversation, that's huge. And now the next step is, instead of being in the conversation, actually landing these big-time recruits. So does it take one game? Do we see it right away? Does it take two games, half half a month? Uh, does it take a month to start to see the effect? Because obviously these recruits aren't necessarily going to be starting right mm-hmm. away. It's just building the depth. And if you once injuries start happening, teams that don't have that depth, don't have that recruiting, oh, they, they fall. They falter. But if you have the recruit, you have that depth. It's just the next guy up, and those are the difference between the two levels of caliber. It's all about the depth, and Syracuse is finally building that. Well, I could say that to use the word depth, we we've definitely gone pretty deep into Syracuse basketball and football. 
So coming up after a short break, we're going to get into some Fizz feedback. What is it that you, the fans, have been telling us? But then, of course, we're going to tell you what we think about it just after a short break here on The Score 1260. It's Fizz Radio on the Score 1260, and man, this is one of my favorite parts of the show because we get a chance to react to what you, the fans, have said to us. It's kind of like a whole conversation via the internet, specifically Twitter, at Orange Fizz, so make sure you follow there and look out for the Fizz feedback polls we send out so that you can be featured here on Orange Fizz. I'm David Edelstein, joined by Thomas Schultz, and we are going to debate or agree with you and find out exactly what you thought about some questions. So, Thomas, question one. Should O'Shea Brissett have waited another year to have declared for the NBA draft, yes or no? And 60% of the fans said yes, but I'm going to disagree here because O'Shea Brissett still has the chance to come back to Syracuse. He didn't sign an agent, and... What's the harm for a guy looking at the scout saying, hey, what do I need to improve upon to make my future brighter, to show NBA, the NBA scouts, what, what do I need to improve on, what do I need to do to get drafted where I want to get drafted? I don't have a problem with O'Shea Brissett doing exactly that. So I, I think it's a good, good time to go see what the scouts think. All right, so O'Shea Brissett, the fans say yes, but you say no. He should have stayed. Question two, how many times will Syracuse football Win next year. Options four to six, seven to nine, or ten or more. Clearly, I guess your opinion is Syracuse is definitely not winning any fewer than four. I, I think, yeah, four is a bare minimum for Syracuse <laughs> next season, and the fans agree. 61% said seven to nine wins, and I'm gonna have to agree with the fans here. I think 10 plus is a possibility. I don't think they I, I think they do better than four and six. Tommy DeVito is very good, but there's going to be some growing pains. I don't think they get to that 10 win threshold again this year, but seven to nine. That's very manageable. Syracuse coming off a season where they got 10 wins. So, you know, if you think that the team will even regress a little bit, you're still in that 7-9 category, which puts them in a good spot for another bowl. Question three. Which players will start at guard next year for Syracuse basketball? A, Jalen Carey. B, Buddy Bayheim, C, Elijah Hughes. Or D, someone else. And the fans here, 48% said Jalen Carey, which I, I was surprised by. I thought Buddy Bayheim would win. And to be fair... I think, I mean, both could start, but I think Buddy Bayheim is the more likely to. He showed out last season, and he was incredible. I think it's going to be very hard to keep him out of the starting lineup. All the players getting a chance to show their skills this season, improve a little bit like we talked about, especially uh, these three specifically. I mean, well, two of them, Buddy Bayheim and Elijah Hughes, really stepping up and getting a chance to play. Jalen Carey a little bit less so, but he could still develop into that role that Syracuse, when they recruited him, thought that he was going to fill. All right, the final question. Let's see if you get 100% on your quiz or not from Professor Schultz still. <laughs> Should Tyus Battle have returned for his senior season? And 60, yes or no? 65% say no, and I've got to agree with the fans here. Look, he's already got his degree. He, he really honestly maybe shouldn't have come back this year. His stock regressed. So Tyus Battle did the right thing, going and chasing his future in the NBA, and I think now is the time to do it. There's no reason to wait another year. He's not going to improve. This is what he is. Go, go to the NBA, see what you can do with it. All right, there we have it. The fans 
have spoken. And to continue speaking with us, keep in contact with us here at Orange Fizz. Tweet at us at Orange Fizz. Follow Orange Fizz for all of your Syracuse basketball and football recruiting news. Also look on Facebook at Orange Fizz, iTunes, Orange Fizz, Spotify, Orange Fizz for all of your Fizz radio and Fizzcasts. And also, don't forget, always follow us and keep reading at orangefizz.net online for all of your Syracuse basketball and football blog content. Once again, for Thomas Schultz, I'm David Edelstein here on Fizz Radio. The offseason starts now. Stay safe, stay warm, stay friendly, and enjoy. And we'll speak with you next time.